All right, how's it going, guys? Welcome to Smooth Talk Sports. I am Benson. Uh, today, I just want to kind of talk about um, COVID-19. More specifically, uh, how it's going to impact the sports world, both in the long and short term. We've already kind of seen like how it's impacting the, the real world, everyday life, and all that. And I don't, I don't really care about that. Well, I do, but I'm more concerned about sports. Makes better you know, podcast material. So I've kind of made a list, but I'm also going to kind of just you know kind of spitball it and just kind of talk and see you know what i really think so some of the long-term things that i have is uh, one of them that we've already kind of seen starting to happen is uh certain uh colleges mostly small ones so far i don't think i've seen any like major major ones do this yet but um they're cutting sports because they're not getting revenue from a lot of them and uh, if you didn't know this a lot of sports even at like the biggest schools, a lot of them actually like cost the school money. They're running in the red and how they make up for that is if you look at the chart, um, I can't remember where I found it, but you know, football's making, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars in profit a year, like absolutely like gargantuan amounts. And so is like basketball and a lot of the other like big sports like baseball, hockey at some schools, um, you know, those bigger sports that, you know, get on TV and draw fans, they're operating in the green. And those profits go to um, making up for the losses that some of the smaller sports make. Like, you know, some of the ones that you don't really watch, like field hockey or, you know, rowing, stuff like that. Those sports don't really make money for the school because, you know, it costs them a lot of money to run it. And it's not like a big spectator sport. They don't get on TV a lot. So they're usually running in the red and those profits get made up in football, which um, that's why for me, when I see the football players getting like new facilities and new equipment and whatnot, uh, I'm not too upset about it like a lot of people are because they make so much money for that school and they should be getting paid. That's a whole another topic. But um, I know a Bowling Green, I believe, cut their baseball program and uh, – off the top of my head, I probably should have researched this, but I can't remember what it is. I think it's Title 12. Uh, basically, part of t- what Title 12 is, is um, when a school has a sport that it's running, there has to be, like I say, they have a men's sport. They need a corresponding female sport. So if they cut one sport, they have to cut another one. They can't just cut one sport. So, for instance, if they cut baseball, they likely cut softball as well. And uh, it goes both ways, too. When a school adds a sport, they need to add a corresponding sport for the other gender. Like, for example, um, like if school adds football, they might also consider adding, like, volleyball or um, another women's fall sport, like soccer or something. But, um, yeah, so basically, whenever a school cuts a program, they really have to cut two because of Title it's title 9 or Title 12. I can't remember. Um, it's not really important what the number is. But that's going to be a really long-term thing because it's not like they're like cutting the program or suspending it for a year. It's you know indefinite, if not permanent. Uh, otherwise, they would just suspend it. And that's taking... I think uh, they're honoring the scholarships for all those players, at least what I've seen. So it's not impacting them in that way. But, I mean, a lot of those players now are likely going to transfer, especially the underclassmen, because they don't want to just have their career ended like that. You know, a lot of the seniors and upperclassmen are so close to graduating. And especially in those smaller sports, a lot of them aren't going to go pro or at least go pro like 100% and make a career off of it. They'd be doing it as kind of a side thing. So a lot of them would likely um, not even opt to transfer and they're just going to finish up their degree and get their jobs. 
And that's a big reason why um, there wasn't really a big reason for uh, college basketball to add a year of eligibility for their guys, like the seniors or all the players, because in the seniors, it would do two things. For one thing, a lot of the seniors don't even need that. They wouldn't take advantage of it because they already have jobs lined up or you know overseas opportunities or they're going to go pro. And then uh, the ones that do come back, it kind of creates a long game on the roster because now you have five years of players on the active roster. That's not even including red shirts. So it just kind of creates a cluster. And, you know, I wasn't really in favor of that. Like, it's unfortunate. A lot of them didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament. But um, it just wasn't a good idea for me to let all of them come back. It's just kind of one of those unfortunate facts of life. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of um, athletes don't get to play their sport anymore or they have to transfer school so they want to continue playing it. That's kind of a big deal. Um, some sports, you might see uh, permanent rule changes come out of this. For instance, uh, baseball is kind of working on like a, a weird shortened season and they're considering, you know, playing two leagues in two different cities like in uh, Arizona and other, you know, states that would allow it. And one of the propositions is uh, the DH being universal and being in the NL. And there's no doubt in everyone's mind that that would likely, if not um, very possibly, become a permanent thing. Uh, it's been discussed for, you know, ever that there should be a universal DH or shouldn't be one at all. And it seems like the consensus is that um, there sh should be a universal DH, which I don't agree with. I like the strategy of the DH ads. I think if they make it universal, they should add, you know, some more strategy to it. Like it's tied to the pitcher or something. You can't just keep the same guy in the whole entire game. But again, that's another topic. But I believe, you know, if they do that and they create a universal DH for this season, I think it's going to be permanent. I think a lot of the fans would like it. There'd be a lot more offense and that's a big thing. There'd be a lot more offense. Um, I wouldn't say a lot more home runs, but there'd be more home runs. There'd be more run scores. You don't have that gap in the lineup that kind of uh, kills the offense, kills the momentum. And there'd be a lot less small ball, a lot less bunting. Bunting wouldn't go away, but, you know, sack bunting probably would. In uh, most situations, it eliminates a lot of small ball. Um, another thing is, uh, especially in college sports, is uh, frequent temperature taking, uh, namely like before travel. So if a team is traveling far away and uh, they don't want, you know, if a player is sick, they don't want him bringing that with him and moving that disease from one geographic area to another. So I could see like them needing to get their temperatures taken before they leave. And if they are high on uh, temperature, you know, whether it's like 99.5 or 100, whatever they want to make that scale, that they, you know, can't travel. And that's really interesting because that would add almost more not more injuries like physical injuries but it kind of is treated like an injury where um there's a player who is now not playing that game and that you know sometimes that just happens players have high temperatures it doesn't mean they have covid or doesn't mean they're sick at all they could just be running warm that day and uh i'm sure they would put in some other measures to make sure that um they would eliminate the false positives like you, you don't just get your temperature taken once like if you, if you take it once it's good you're good to go if it's high you know you just sit for a little bit let it get it retaken um, that's, you know, how a lot of wor workplaces are. My workplace, if you temp, your temp is good, you just go about your business. If it's high, you have to go outside for five minutes. Um, I feel like, uh, in that situation, they might do it longer than just five minutes and give, make sure like they really have time 
for the temperature to correct itself. And I'm sure there'd be regulations too to make sure they don't like, you know, influence it, like go drink a bunch of cold water or something. But that'd be really interesting to see um, players listed on the injury report almost for um, their temperature and not even making the trip with their team. And then uh, I think uh, I think a lot of teams don't do this anyway, but um, a lot they probably restrict the uh, travel for a lot of players to strictly scholarship players. Um, I think a lot of teams don't bring their walk-ons anyway on the road, but you know it might become a universal thing that you're not going to bring your walk-ons with you. Um, another thing, which is um, I think it's really interesting and really complicated, is. Um, the game to experience trying to eliminate as much touching and contact as you possibly can. And, you know, that's things like no concessions, no, you know, um, I can't remember what they're called, vendors, people who walk through the stands, you know, with food. Um, like, no concessions. Uh, teams rely on concessions to make a lot of money. They're probably not going to hurt too much without it. But it'd just be, be weird to have no concessions because, uh, it just kind of messes with the flow of the game, you know? Not, not the flow of the game, but the flow of the experience. You're kind of used to have people all about the stadium going to concessions and getting beer and whatnot. And it would just be weird not to have any of those open, but I feel like when sports do start back up, that they won't be open just to, you know, cut down as much contact as possible, cut down as much handing of objects, especially food that is getting directly ingested. And that's going to cut a lot of profits out of the teams, so I can see the ticket prices becoming higher for those games. And, uh, you know, this overall game experience getting more ex expensive, like, mandatorily. Those ticket prices. You can go to the game and not buy any concessions, but you can't go to the game without buying a ticket. And with that being said, um, in terms of fans, you know, there might not be any fans um, when the season starts for, you know, baseball or football or any of the sports that resume NBA or NHL uh, if they resume and to me that would you know the people who are at the games represent a very tiny percentage of the overall viewership of the sport but you think about NFL if you think you know the average stadium it holds probably about 70,000 you multiply that by 16 that's like a lot I'm not going to do the math but that's a pretty good number and you got to figure at least like 90% of those people that would have been at the game would watch it on TV. So I feel like uh, the ad, the cost per ad on TV would go up because they know they're going to have a lot more viewers. And uh, a lot of that too is um, people don't have anything to do. So they're, you know, might as well watch sports. And uh, a lot of them, well, by the time NFL comes back, I assume bars will be fully open. Uh, I live in Wisconsin and bars are already open. Uh, there's no guarantee they're going to stay open. You never know what's going to happen with these numbers now with everyone being out and coercing. But um, that's not the word. Um, conversing. <laughs> coercing. I mean, they're probably doing that too. But um, if the, the bars are open, you know, people at bars aren't really like watching too much of the commercials. A lot of the bars don't even have um, the audio on. Um, some some do some sports bars do like Buffalo Wild Wings will have audio of one of the games. But a lot of sports bars I've been to they uh, and regular bars too people go to they uh, they have music playing and then the game is muted and uh, you can't really hear it anyway because there's so many people in there. But there still would be a lot more you know home viewership. So I feel like the cost per ad will go up because they know there's more people watching 
and they're going to try to take advantage of that supply and demand. Um, and when they do allow fans in, I'm curious to see if they um, will have full attendance. And by that, what I mean is if they sell all the tickets. Because even if they open back up, they might want to continue to promote social distancing. And uh, this probably would be too hard to do. But I can see them tr trying it to a degree where they do um, like ticket distancing for lack of a better word, where they only sell like every fourth seat or something like that. And then um, what you can do is like if you're a family, you can condense into your own seats and there'll be even more space. Because uh, you wouldn't make like the, the parents sit, you know, 12 feet plus from some of their kids if they have a big family. And that would just kind of like ruin the experience for them. So they would only sell like those like every three or four tickets. But, you know, the individual groups that come together can sit together. It's just about keeping, like, uh, str like strangers apart from each other. Try to avoid that group-to-group -group contact. As a family, they're going to see each other anyway. They're living in the same house. If they're going to get it, that's where they're going to get it. They're not going to get it at a sporting event and staying too close to each other. But um, an interesting thing would for that would be uh, in college, the student sections, what they would do with that. Because you know, the student sections are just packed in like sardines. They're standing up. They're bumping into each other, jumping around all game. So that would be really interesting to see. Um, what they do with that. Um, if they did that, I don't think they would do that. That seems too difficult to do. It seems like they'd be better off just not having fans at all if they're still that concerned about it. But, you know, it's an option. Uh, it's a possibility. Uh, I could see some smaller schools trying it out to see, you know, what the logistics of it is, how hard is it for them to do. But I think a lot of the game day experience will be you know, affected. Like I said, there'd be no concessions. Um, I could see them not doing any like promotions or like, you know, raffles, anything that has like um, exchanges of objects from one to another, like, you know, no shooting t-shirts in the stands. Um, in Wisconsin, a lot of sporting events, they shoot brats in the stands, um, which is, it's kind of weird in general, but it's, it's a Wisconsin thing, but you know, there'd be none of that. Um, you know, giveaways, you, you go to a game, a lot of times, especially NFL games, they'll have something to give away. You know, they have like a a hat or a scarf or a flag or a towel or something like that, just like a promotional object that you get for going to the game. I feel like they would, you know, not use those because that's, again, it's exchanging objects from one person to another. Um, another thing is um, electronic tickets. I feel like those would be more encouraged for sure. I don't know if you can really require electronic tickets. Um, there's a lot of older demographics that it'd be really hard for them to adjust and do those because for them, all they've ever done is they have a ticket, you give it to the person, you get in the game, but the electronic tickets are much easier. You just have it on your phone and boom, like you're in and there's no, um, like touch or contact in there. And, uh, it, it would be really hard for a lot of like older generations. Like I think of like the Packers, you know, I'm a Packer fan and going to a Packer game. There's still a lot of elderly, you know, people that go there who've been fans forever and trying to get them to adjust to using electronic tickets might be a little much. It might be a little too much for them to figure out. They might not even want to figure it out. So I don't think that would be a thing, but I think they would definitely try to um, encourage it and encourage you know as little contact from person to person as possible. Uh, in terms of the sports that are still technically suspended right now, we have the NBA and the NHL. And it's getting, you know, I don't want to say crunch time because um, 
you know, they have their own plans in terms of their timetables. But, I mean, usually the finals for both of them are happening in June, and it's mid-May. So I think uh, right about now we'd be getting to um, the conference finals. For, I think the, the sports run a little bit, you know, separate from each other. But we'd be about at conference finals time for NBA and NHL. And so the playoffs would be over halfway over by this point. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to see, like think about what they're going to do. For maybe they'll shorten the playoffs. Maybe they'll only have um, eight teams make it, the top four from each conference, which would be unfortunate. But it's kind of you know it's better than nothing. But um, I'm sure there'd be no fans at this point. There's no way they could do that. I don't think there'll be a fan sporting events at least until the start of the NFL season. By start, I mean week one. I think, um, irregardless of how things are going, I think uh, there won't be any fans at preseason games as of now maybe they could because it's not one of those situations where it's like it's a preseason game you can test it out um just because it's a preseason game doesn't change like the um i guess the uh what am i trying to say here just because it's a preseason game doesn't mean that it's a good time to test out fans in the stands is what i'm saying it's not like on the on the field you know this game doesn't really matter it's you know, it's nothing. It it's gonna be forgotten. None of the stats are gonna be, you know, kept anything official. But what happens in the stands, you know, with people, that's gonna be that's real. So you can't just like use people as guinea pigs at preseason games and be like, oh no, shoot. If if you could, you know, they'd say see like they probably track that somehow and see if there's an outbreak among the demographics at the game or something like that. But they definitely wouldn't use like the preseason games as like a a test because you know preseason like a preseason game is a time to test like rules or test your offense it's not a time to test how many people are going to get sick from a sporting event so i feel like preseason might not have fans but you never know they might say well if we can't have fans we might not as well play at all you know it's interesting football is probably one of the sports that gets the most uh per game uh, percentage of their fans or a uh, percentage of their uh, profits from tickets because their stadiums are so big and tickets are so expensive because they only have you know eight regular home games a year so I mean that'd be really interesting um, another thing is uh, with the college sports a lot of campuses and a lot of states are kind of doing their own thing in terms of are they going to open their colleges at all um, are they going to stay online and a lot of schools are I've already said if uh, we're not open uh, on campus physically, like there's going to be no sports. And uh, that does make sense. And some schools have actually said the opposite, which uh, to me seems like they're saying like, okay, all these other students, we don't want them to be on campus because it's not safe. But those student athletes who are going to make us money, like they have to be here, which seems completely unfair and completely, you know, tone, not tone deaf, but you're just basically like telling the athletes without telling them that, they're less important and their safety is less important than those other students who actually pay their tuition. They're um, not the ones who pay their tuition. That's kind of irrelevant, but um, the ones who make them money are the ones that are less cared about in terms of their safety. And so with that being said, you know, college sports in the fall is still up in the air. I think NFL will be fine. I think NFL is going to do their thing regardless if they have fans or not or anything like that because you know nfl is kind of its own thing it's uh you know it's at a stadium they might have you know stuff around it but 
you know, college sports happens on a campus or at least near a campus affiliated with the campus. And if they don't have their students there, um, it'd be kind of difficult for them to have their players there or at least justify having their players there in terms of, you know, their safety and all that. So I could see college football, college football, it's a really hard sport to uh, shorten the season because there's only 12 regular season games. College basketball, they could definitely like postpone the season. And if they had to, they could, you know, just do conference play, which would be terrible because I love non-conference basketball that early season. There's usually like a top five or top 10, at least showdown every week. But, you know, if they have to, they could always, um, you know, delay the season or at least delay, like, fans. You know, there's no fans of these early games, but at a certain point, they'll start having fans at the games. And, you know, they, they ran a poll, and I can't remember if it was just NFL or sports in general, but most fans would prefer the sports to run with no fans than not run at all, which I agree with. I'd rather have some sports with no crowds than no sports at all. It'd be weird for sure. It takes a lot of the atmosphere out of the game. I think a lot of people underrate how much a crowd can impact the game and impact the players. You know, a lot of you know the professionals with this crowd still will affect their mentality. Um, there's a lot of mentality you can't control, and it's really hard to control. And it would just take a lot of the variables out of the game. It would basically be like a, a close scrimmage. I mean, there's no crowd noise. There's no... Um, you know, reactions, there's less momentum for teams because a lot of times the players feed on the crowd, whether the crowd is against them and it's kind of rattling them or it's for them and it's kind of hyping them up and helping them get in the rhythm and feel it. And, you know, that's all going to be gone. And uh, especially in college sports, I feel like that makes a big difference. Home court or home field, whatever your uh, sport it is in college sports, I feel like is five times as important as it is in uh professional sports because you know professional sports um for one thing the fans aren't nearly as crazy um maybe say for the buffalo bills they're just nuts but you know you you have those student sections that just get absolutely brutal the players and absolutely loud and they rile up the whole stadium you don't have that in the nfl some teams have like coordinated cheering sections and to me those are kind of cringy and they don't really make that big of a difference anyway but you know that's relevant um but, yeah, especially in uh, college sports, that home court advantage is really important. And uh, there's a lot of neutral games in college basketball early in the year, too, where that involves a lot of travel and a lot of teams from multiple areas meeting at one area and then going back to their home campuses. Like, for, you know, for the Maui Invitational, there's uh, there's eight teams there, and uh, one of them is uh, the, home, the host team, Chaminade, or whatever you call that school. But then the other teams are from around the country, and, you know, they go there. They're all playing each other. They're bumping into each other. They're, you know, exchanging bodily fluids, um, like sweat. That sounded pretty wrong. But then they're all going back to their own campuses. And, you know, campuses are pretty tight places. And if campuses are open, stuff will spread there. So that's a real big concern is those tournament games where multiple teams from around the country show up at one area and then go back. So I could see those being canceled. Um It'd be really unfortunate because I love watching the Maui Invitational. But, you know, they got to do what they got to do. Um, I'm really not too critical about what they're doing, you know, safety measures for the COVID. Um, it's, you know, any precautions are good. It's not like they're, people act like they're infringing on their liberties, blah, blah, blah. But they're just, usually those people are idiots. But 
I won't get too much into that. But, you know, they got to do what they got to do. Um, safety precautions are good. Being safe is good. But um, back to sports. Um, another thing is um, would they enforce masks at sporting events? I don't think so. I think that would be way too hard to enforce it. Like, you know, you, you could walk in the door with the mask. Then, you know, you can just take it off. Like, imagine a, an NFL stadium. You're not going to enforce you know 70 80 thousand people wearing masks like there's absolutely no way and even like some college um stadiums hold even more than that they hold you know close to a hundred thousand there's no way you can enforce all of them wearing masks and it would just be too difficult like you can be allowed to wear one for sure but there's no way for me that they can enforce that you'd have to spend so much on people going through the stands and checking it just kind of creates you know, a weird situation, like, if you're at the game, you're kind of assuming the risk, and, you know, it'd just be way too hard for them to enforce masks, like, there's no way they'd be able to do it. Um, in terms of uh, what they do with the players, like, I know MLB, for a while, when they were planning on playing all their games in Arizona, they were going to have the players basically, like, sit in the stands, and, like, sit apart, because they wouldn't have stands in the fans or fans in the stands, excuse me, um, they would just have the players out in the stands, and uh, they'd be all separate, and yeah. But I, I think when sports do come back, they're not going to really do that much with the players, because the players, are it's so much work to keep the players socially distanced, and then they're out in the court together anyways, or on the field, whatever, and it just seems kind of pointless to police what they do you know, in the locker room, on the sidelines, on the bench, or the dugout, whatever sport it is. And I don't think they'd be able to do that. I think, uh, like, certain things, like, maybe, like, they would, like, discourage the use of, like, Gatorade coolers, stuff like that. Kind of like those universal, like, drinking areas. They might promote, you know, disposable water bottles. But even then, that's still kind of, you know, they're all in one area and everyone's grabbing from it. But... You know, it's just really interesting, and there's a reason there's people that are getting paid, like, big money to make these decisions, because, like, for me personally, like, I have no idea, like, what I would do if I was, like, tasked with that, so it's it's just really weird. I don't think, uh, you know, I think everything on the field in the locker rooms will may, remain mostly the same. They probably, you know, try to promote that social distancing still and, you know, avoid touching, um... You know, the press conference, too, I'm sure they would try to disinfect all the microphones, all the surfaces that players use afterwards. If they even have, you know, the press. Like, they kinda, I kind of almost have to. You can't just have the sports without the press. That's, you know, a big part of it. And there's a lot of business to be made in the press. I don't think they would be too keen on not being involved in sports anymore, or at least sports uh, indefinitely. But I think that's about the that's about yeah. but I think that's about all I got. So um I'm posting this on YouTube, I'll be posting it on Podbean. Um I'll have my Twitter linked on my Podbean as well. It is uh, at Benton Smooth otherwise. Um feel free to you know follow me, shoot me a tweet, uh, or a comment, just discuss this further with me. I'm always open to discussion or debate or questions or whatever you want to do. But otherwise, thank you for listening and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.